Hi, listener. Welcome back to another episode of A Real Page Turner with Donnie Granza and Mara Maros. Hi, Donnie. Hello, Mara. Glad to be back here. Yeah. So we um, are taking another dip into Stephen King this week. Obviously, we like him a lot. And we are talking about the novella, The Body, which was published in 1982 in a compilation of stories in the book, Different Seasons. But it was also published as a standalone, which is what I have. And it was the basis for the movie Stand By Me. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the movie. Yeah, the movie uh, Stand By Me, which actually uh, did get its title from the popular song by Ben E. King. It was uh, it was um, <clears throat> written by Bruce Evans and Reynald Ray- Gideon. Uh, it was directed by Rob Reiner. It's just like in a cast of, you know, the, the protagonist, the young boys were some of the like the most some of the most popular child stars of the 80s, including uh, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell. Also featured Rose John Cusack as uh, Will Wheaton's character, Gordy Zolder brother, and Kiefer Sutherland as the uh, main antagonist. And also features it's the the narrator who makes you know a few brief appearances at the end is Richard Dreyfus. The movie was a big success, grossing over fifty two million dollars at the box office and critical success. As many critics embrace embraced the film, and it was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, and it's been regarded as a classic uh, coming-of-age film. Yeah, this is one of my favorite movies, and I we caught it when we were at the beach this summer, and it was just happened to be on a channel, and we, we got watching it and just thought, oh my gosh, I love this movie. And then watched it again, like, I could just remember watching this movie so much growing up, um, but I, I absolutely, like, it's one of my favorites. And I didn't realize until this time when I was watching it that Gordy's older brother was John Cusack. I was like, wait a minute, is that John Cusack? Like, I didn't remember him being in this and it was not his first movie when I looked at like the filmography on Wikipedia it was not his first movie but it was a you know a small part but I forgot it was him yeah I I didn't because I see I've seen it on TV a bunch of times over over the years and that and I never realized that it was John Cusack and then I was watching and then when I was reading the Wikipedia page and saw him in the cast and I was like oh it's his older brother yeah and then when I watched it um I actually just went to Fye and bought the DVD because I know I really enjoyed this movie it's another one of my favorites so I was like ah, no fine I'll splurge and spend seven dollars on this so for our listener I guess we should give them a synopsis and say this will be filled with spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Stand By Me, it is a story of four boys who you know live in a small town in the novella It's in Maine, and they get together to go find the dead body of Ray Brower, who's been struck by a train, and it's kind of their journey into walking you know many miles to find the body of Ray Brower and kind of their friendship and how that evolves along the way. And you learn about each of the characters and their you know their family struggles, their internal struggles, and you know until they come upon the body. I mean, what they do from there. So I think. That's like kind of the synopsis in a nutshell, but that's kind of where we go from with this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a little, um, yeah. It's all kind of like follows their journey, this little adventure that they're on, like you know. And it's, you know, it sounds like really morbid, you know, that this is what they're, you know, going to search for a dead body of another uh, young boy. And but it's more about the journey, the journey, and how these what these boys do, and it takes place in the nineteen sixties. 
So, yeah, one of the differences I saw was that, you know, the book is set in Maine, in Castle Rock, the town of Castle Rock. And in the movie, it was set in Oregon, but the town was still Castle Rock. And I just kind of wonder, like, why they made that change? Because, you know, so small. And I had to wonder, did it have to do with where they filmed the movie? And would people say, that's not Maine? Or (laughs) familiar with Maine? Like, would they know that? Or, and is that why they said Oregon? Like, I don't know why that change was made, but I thought it was like such a small chain that really is kind of insignificant when you if you just said Castle Rock, we wouldn't have known that you really changed it. Yeah, it's now I know. Stephen King is from Maine, and I believe the vast majority of his books can take place in Maine or something. And they're kind of like, there's like little connections, and you'll notice I've read Stephen King in the past, and then there's like little connections where he has um, references to, to things. In fact, I think in the in the book, they mention uh, Shawshank, uh, the, pr- the prison in it, and which we also have an episode on if you want to check, check out uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> as well as, um, I think like some other one, some other ones like, is misery set in Maine? I'm not sure. I've read that it out. yet. Yeah, I said. Um, yeah, also, it's, it's funny because I was like doing some research on this, and there was an interview with AMC TV where they asked Stephen King if some of the story was like a reflection of his personal experiences growing up, and he said there's a lot of stuff in the body that just simply history that been tarted up a little bit, you know. So it looks like he took some inspiration from this story from him growing up in Maine, and I guess he saw a young boy get hit and killed by a train at four years old. So it's interesting kind of the way you take some things that have happened to you and turn it into a work of fiction. Yeah. But I uh, thought that was, you know, interesting to read. Yeah. There's another example of that. There's the scene where the four boys go swimming in the creek or whatever, and then they all get out and the, like, the leeches have stuck to them. And he said, and I believe he said that, Stephen King said that that actually happened to, to him. And I actually watched, I watched the movie twice. I watched it just once you know regularly and then i also saw that there was a commentary track with rob reiner talking so i watched it with the commentary track on and it was very interesting he did all these all these little like tidbits and stuff like when um like one thing i know is not really re- related to the actual content of the book or movie but it was pretty i thought it was pretty funny he said that a lot of the night the nighttime scenes were filmed like inside like on the studio uh stage because because they were child actors and with child labor laws they can't work like after a certain time of the night and that so they filmed it inside so can make it look like night can make it look like nighttime so and are like watching it and trying to like decipher that and i think they did a good job it still you know didn't look like fake or anything yeah, so. No, I just thought that was interesting. It is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like the short story and I like the structure in the book where it was like told and, you know, you were flashing back between Gordy, who's the writer, you know, his present and what's going on in his present life, but then flashing back to, you know, the scenes in the movie that it's like he's writing about. I, I liked that structure when he took us back and forth and, and the movie kind of, it doesn't do a lot of flashback, but he talks you through it with the narration, you know, and it's funny because, you know, in the book, you get some of the synopsis of like what Gordy's writing, you know, there's a short story story that he writes in there that he he talks about how he's growing up writing and then the story of you know lard ass at the fair he writes about <laughs> that he's telling them and that's kind of funny like yeah. that's a scene i have to turn my head from i cannot watch the i cannot watch the entire fair grounds throw up on each other i, I had to turn my head i'm like i can't do it yeah. um, 
<laughs> it's funny, <laughs> but but I do think that's that's very on brand for kids, you know, kids that age, especially like but you know, boys that age, like get into gross stuff, and you know, growing up, yeah, like I can admit that the boys we would you know talk about things like that, and, and I know it's very gross, and I kind of kind of look back on myself at that age with some cringe, and that it's it's very on brand for like the young 12 year old boys to talk about puke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a little gross for me in that part. But, <laughs> but I was reading too, like this was Jerry O'Connell's first movie. And uh, it's funny. Cause like you look at it and you, you actually don't even realize it's Jerry O'Connell because he's so young, but they, it, it was his first movie, which I think is hilarious. And he's so good in it that you wouldn't think like, you know, he's a brand new actor. This is his first movie. And, you know, River Phoenix, of course is great. And we know, you know, he died way too young, but he was great in this as well. And Will Wheaton and Corey Feldman, who's just a riot. But I, I really i thought the cast was so good yeah it's funny like um yeah like you mentioned you don't really recognize jerry o'connell because obviously he you know rather like thinned out as he got older that i remember i remember like years ago kind of off topic there was a, there was a uh well because jerry o'connell his wife is rebecca romaine who used to be married to john stamos and yes I remember years ago i was watching uh, there was the roast of bob saget you know for full house you know the late great bob saget and he John Stamos was the roast master and then like and one of the comedians was busting him and said oh he's like your your wife left you for the fat kid from Stand By Me <laughs> I was like oh that's true but yeah I thought it was a really good cast and I did really like like Richard Dreyfus too like even though like it's you only see him like at the, um, like kind of bookending the movie but you know it was a very like very nice narration I'm a fan of Richard Dreyfuss because like you know I love Jaws he had like Close Cows the Third Kind and American Graffiti and but the Goodbye Girl so it was very um, weird because like he was like so huge in the 70s and, and that and then by the 80s I think he had personal problems like drug addiction and things and like a lot of, he was kind of I'll say like a shell of his former self but obviously wasn't the big star that he was in the 70s so it was kind of nice this little you know small but pivotal part yeah I mean I really like him in this and you know he's great at Mr. Holland's opus yeah I think he's like a great actor and I really you know liked him you know he had a small part of this movie but I really really liked him yeah the other thing you know about the movie in the book is that you know the endings are pretty different you know in the in the movie at the end Gordy pulls the gun on Ace but in the book Chris pulls the gun yeah which for me was a little bit more realistic just given Chris's history and he was the one who had the gun who was kind of more you know rough and tumble and felt like he had nothing to lose because he never really thought much of himself that to me was more realistic than Gordy pulling the gun in the movie because Gordy you know he's not as strong and you know brave for lack of a better word as Chris that he would pull the gun so I thought the movie was a little less real like a little less realistic and I just wonder why they made that change was that like to beef him up a little bit like I'm not sure it's um yeah it's something that I've learned like in the when I was listening to the commentary track that this was something that Stephen King actually approved of the change and thought that, you know, with Rob Reiner's vision was that with Gordy pulling the gun, it was really like him come, finally like coming together that rep- represented this, this this arc, his character arc, and that he had finally learned to stick up for himself. Mm. So That's interesting. Yeah. I could see that, you know. Yeah. I, I could see why they did it. It just, for me, it felt like it was more something Chris would do. 
Yeah. And the other thing about the end, I mean, they're they're very different in the kind of the postscript after the end. You know, we learn that when Gordy's writing this, he is the only one who has lived into his 30s in the book. You know, Chris has gone to graduate school and as in the store and in line and is stabbed in the neck, but he's not an attorney like they say in the movie. And Vern and Chris are dead. You know, they kind of died in tragic circumstances, each of them at the end of the book, which I think is a lot of foreshadowing in the book because you know their lives are are hard, you know, and you know, Chris is kind of smarter and they're setting up that alignment for he and Gordy to, you know, go on the college track and they're kind of going to separate from Chris and Vern and they know their lives are going to go differently. And so that to me feels like realistic that Vern and Chris, Vern and and Teddy Duchamp are not alive anymore, that they didn't make it to their thirties and they kind of died tragically. And, you know, Chris had become a bit of a success and was killed in a way that was in line with his character arc. You know, he was standing up for other people. He, you know, tried to make something of himself and was killed while defending and trying to break up a fight. So that felt, you know, in line with the character arc. Where in the movie, they're they're all they're all still alive, except Chris, who was killed still in the same way, but they just say he's an attorney. But Vern yeah. and Teddy are kind of just, you know, lived a normal life in a small town. And I, it's interesting. And I don't want don't know why they did that. I, maybe it's not to make the movie so glum at the end, but and it, maybe it was yeah. easier to wrap up that way. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think probably to you know make make it not so glum. But I do think the movie version was a little more realistic like, that you would have just uh, Vern and Teddy that just have a semi normal life, semi normal lives. Vern especially just has a normal job, works as a forklift operator. He has four kids and married, and everything's all good. Now Teddy, not so normal. It says that he has uh, had had some problems. Had been to jail and had trouble holding down the job. I think they say that he works odd jobs around around the city, and so I do think it was very realistic that they kind of all go on their path with, while still having Chris meeting the tragic end and very operating for his character. And especially uh, the character of Teddy, I found it interesting and that they talked about um, his rough home life and that how he was uh, abused by his father. One thing that was very uh interesting that really stood out to me is in the, the part where Gordy is telling the story about Lardass and then at the end they're kind of disappointed that just ends and the and they ask, well, what's next? What does he do next? What does Lardass do next? And then um Teddy suggests, well, I think that he goes home and he kills his father or that. So obviously that's in his mind that oh like how much he hates his father for his abuse and that. And very uh realistic that you know coming from abuse that he would have a rough life and would wind up going to jail and well, i think his brother was cycle. in jail right in the story his brothers has been in and out of jail yeah you know and i think you know they they definitely go into more of the abuse in the book right like he they show his ears where his dad burned him but in the movie but in the book it's both ears and he has a hearing aid and what i liked what they did with his character in both is that in the book you get that he wants to go to the military and that is his lifelong goal but Everybody but him knows that that's not going to happen because of his vision and his ear and his hearing. And, you know, everybody but him knows that. And, you know, it's sad yeah. because, you know, you know, that's his life's not going to end the way he wants it to. But in the movie, they don't go into as much of that wanting him to be in the military, but he's always singing a military song. 
or alluding to that, like shooting a gun or, you know, that he's doing maneuvers that he would be military. So I like that they kind of showed us that, but didn't say it like they were saying it in the book. And I thought that was really smart because you knew that that was, I mean, maybe, you know, we knew it because we read the short story um, and maybe you wouldn't get that out of just watching the movie. But I think that's like a real, that was like really smart what they did with his character. You know, I think he's probably one of the most sympathetic characters in the, out of the four of them, because you know how dysfunctional his life is. I think he's very sympathetic, you know, and, and so is Chris. I mean, Chris is obviously abused too. And the father has broken his arm and, you know, there's, but they all protect their family. And I, I just thought that was, you know, really good. Like I liked that part of the, the book where you got a little bit more of a glimpse. And the other thing is that the end of the movie, they don't show that Ace and his team have gotten revenge, right? As they have promised, because the movie kind of leads you to think, you know, maybe they didn't. I don't think the movie wraps it up where in the book, you know, that Ace has come around and literally beaten and his friends have beaten all four of them. I think they broke Chris's arm. Teddy was, you know, beaten up and not as badly, I think, because they felt bad for him. But Gordy, they did a number on and beat the crap out of him, you know, broke his nose, I think. So, you know, they do get revenge on them at the end of the book for pulling the gun and kind of getting rid of them. And they didn't claim the body. But in the movie, you kind of don't get that. They don't go into that at the end, how they were all, they all were got their revenge on them. Yeah. Like with, Kiefer Sutherland's character is more just a presence about him that he was just a quintessential jerk and just awful and seemed to be a common theme with the 80s movies and those like characters like that but yeah just like um just an awful person that they just it's have, kind of the so. way his um character looks and stands in um the lost boys <laughs> So he kind of like has that down yeah. because he kind of acts the same way in the Lost Boys with that look about him. One thing I found interesting, it was a a scene in the movie that really stuck out to me is when they find, when they finally find the body, you know, Ray Bauer's dead body and how it deeply affects Gordy. And him and Chris kind of sit down and have this talk and that and how it's really affecting. And that kind of felt very real and emo- emotional that this is someone, this is a young boy who was killed. Yeah, the whole movie was about and book was about going to find this, you know, this body and the adventure of, you know, these boys coming together. But really, it's very morbid that they're, you know, yeah, this wasn't just searching for a treasure or something. This is someone who really died. And it kind of, you know, alludes to people's like morbid sense of curiosity. And I kind of feel it kind of reminds me with how popular like true crime documentaries are that people oh they're so interested in like murders and that but you have to think like yeah i guess it can be interesting but these are real people who were killed who were killed and that it's not just this curiosity about them it's a real person who died so i really liked you know will we in that scene that it really that's what i got out of it that it affected him so much that yeah this wasn't just a regular little adolescent adventure this was someone who 
This is a young boy who died. Yeah, it is interesting. If they do, you know, the reality of the situation hits them. You know, that this person is not, you know, they say sick or asleep, like this person's dead and they're not going to do anything else for the rest of their life. And in the book, you get that too, because you, Gordon is telling you later that he still wonders what happens to that kid. Like, where was his bucket that he was collecting blueberries on? Like, why wasn't he more mangled if hit by a train? So it's like, it bothers him still, you know, in adulthood, like what actually happened? Like, how was that kid hit by the train? Was there something more that he leads to? And, you know, he, he talks about how he always wanted to go back to that place and like, see, could he find the blueberry pail? And, you know, so it affects him for his whole life later on as he still is writing about it in the, in the shorts, in the novella. So I thought that was, it's interesting because it does affect them, you know, so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's one difference with the book that the, the book does kind of allude that maybe he was murdered, he was murdered or not. It wasn't an accident. Then I think possibly Rob Reiner just wanted to take that out and not have that air of mystery that so doesn't turn into a mystery movie kind, right. kind of and that that was more yeah. about this journey there no i get that and i think it was you know the smart thing to do and i you know i liked both of them and i think the movie was very close to the book at least you know there are some small changes but if you had read them years apart they're probably not things you would pick up on right you're probably not going oh that's such a change you know i think it was pretty true at least to the themes and the feel and the characters of the short story of the novella like i thought it was pretty 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 true to it with the exception of a few minor details but i did i thought they were both very good like i thought the adaptation was was great was pretty strong and i i wouldn't have known any different because i actually didn't know until recently that that was based on a short story on a novella which i don't think many people know yeah and it's very interesting how um, stephen king did this kind of different book different book that not really so much horror written even though it's about someone a, a dead body or something but I, um, and i think you know that's kind of like the misnomer of stephen king right like everybody thinks horror horror king but you know we've read shashank redemption was not really horror yeah i wouldn't call that horror um you know no. there's horrific things that happen in it but it's not horror you know, it's not sensate. It's not like Carrie where they're dumping blood on people. It's more realistic. Yeah. And the same with Stand by Me. You know, it's not horror. It's pretty realistic. There's nothing that's yeah. you would think does not is not going to truly happen. So I, you know, I think that's kind of a little bit of a bias that people have or think that you know yeah. that's all he writes. But you know, he's such a diversified writer and so skilled and you know really a, a great storyteller that we these great movies come out of that where it's not you know something like pet cemetery or cujo or <laughs> you know something like that very true yeah you know like it, they're just kind of it's everyday up. people yeah and this is not the only stephen king adaptation uh directed by rob reiner he also directed misery from uh, 1990 and and i just kind of find it's very I'm very intrigued by Rob Reiner's filmography because he's kind of he's not a pigeonhole director. He is kind of all over the place because he directed this and Misery, and he also directed This Is Spinal Tap and The Princess Bride and A Few Good Men. I was like, they're all wildly different movies. So like, he's very much not a, a pigeonhole director. So he's not um, not so much a meathead. Yeah, no, but, it's very good, and I I, I love this. I love this movie yeah great well anything else you wanted to talk about 
No, that, that's it. You know, watch Stand By Me and yeah, read the body. Very yeah, it'd be interesting well, to see good. people like read this and now understand that it was based on an actual novella and not you know just a screenplay somebody wrote. Which I thought you know I love this movie, so I think everyone should watch it. Very true. Me too. Great. Well, until next week, reader and listener, thank you for joining us and keep reading and keep watching. Mm-hmm.